Have you ever walked into a fairy tale? That's what it felt like when we went to Bruges. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with wanderlust. Good morning, guys. It is our first morning in Bruges, Belgium, and it is as every bit as beautiful as I remembered. And oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm a little overwhelmed, aren't I? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so, it's so, it is so picture perfect. That, ladies and gents, was the sounds uh, made by Hillary as she was at a loss for words in Bruges. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm Jamin Houghton. You're listening to Travel FOMO. And with me is my wife, Hillary. That's right. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm still like fumbling all over myself because this is like, we're talking about my favorite place. It literally, I could not, I was just so happy to be back in Bruges, Belgium, one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah. You, you loved it the mm-hmm. first time you went. If you listen to the secret season, you'll know that Hillary loved it. You clearly loved it here. So that yes. that little sound clip was audio taken from our YouTube video. So yeah. you'll want to go check that out so you can see Hillary's face as she looks for those words in Bruges. Literally, I think my eyes were glassy and I was kind of crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were so, so excited to be there. Yeah. And before we jump into all of what we did in Bruges and our experience, why don't you tell people why... You love it so much in Bruges. Oh, man. Well, I found out along the way on this trip, I found out that it was a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which became a term that became very important to me because I kept finding that all of my favorite places ended up being UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And basically, Mm -hmm. it means it's a really protected um, historic place. And, um, and, And this particular place is protected in that the way the city was built and kind of like set in time, um, it hasn't changed. It's protected in a way that they they can't change the skyline at all. Any little change that they do to this city would really put it at risk for um, getting that title removed yeah. and no longer being UNESCO World Heritage Site. So, um, so when you go there, it's like you're stepping back in time for real for me Mm -hmm. it feels like i'm going back to like world war ii times but i don't even know if that's even the relevant time frame um but that's always what i think of is i feel like a soldier who got off the train and is coming home after a war is what it makes me feel like yeah i i can see that and especially since there are like cars and more modern things but really it's a i mean it's a medieval city so you're really looking at like the 1500s Crazy, of what, huh? what's there and it's so cool to be there and it's so well preserved it is mm-hmm. just like a like a little time capsule and it's a small city mm-hmm. which is cool it, it, you know it's not this huge thing like you could it's a very walkable yeah. easy to get around um and just a perfect 
fairy tale land. Yeah. It's got so many different canals, which is, it's kind of like the Venice of the North. Mm-hmm. I think they might even call it that, like have some nickname for it about, yeah. about Venice. But um, it's got all of these canals. The If you go outside the city center, it starts to get a little bit more modern and you can see the hustle and bustle of um, the outskirts of the city. But for the most part on the inside, it's just completely surrounded by a giant moat more or less, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's got these city gates um, where historically it was, you know, how you entered the city was going across the moat, across one of these gates. And so there's all these city gates that are historic and really cool to see as well. Um, yeah. What would you say is the personality of Bruges? Um, it's clearly very historic. Yeah. It's polite very kind people yes. are very kind they it's very clean very clean you know what it, it really really is yeah like no graffiti no trash Mm-mm. none of that stuff yeah oh no it is very pristine um it's it's pretty quiet it does have some retirement vibes but that wouldn't surprise you that i love a place with <laughs> retirement vibes because funny story so many, ever since we even started dating, we'd be driving around places and I'd be like, and you know, we're just like driving to Target or something. And I would look out the window of the car and I'd be like, oh, that's a nice little, that's a nice little apartment complex. Like I want to live there. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. And lo and behold, every single time you'd be like, that's a retirement village. Yep, that's assisted living center. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently I'm down with retirement vibes. <laughs> yeah. You're just you're just waiting to get to the appropriate age where you where can start really going to fours furs at four thirty in the afternoon and having your dinner and then going back to oh, the man. assisted living center and just playing some bingo. Well, you know, the funny part is like Bruges actually, which I did not know this until this trip, Bruges is a cruise stop destination. Yeah. So people on cruises, they stop, they come in for the day and they see the city for the day, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, it's really cool at night. It's beautiful at night. So I would say like if you're on a cruise and you get to stop, you should totally take advantage of it. But I would recommend coming where you can see the see it in the early morning light you can see it at sunset you can see it at night because it is so well lit mm-hmm. all the canals and the buildings they go to great effort to light it very well so not only does it feel really safe at night it also is gorgeous it is so beautiful because yeah. of how well it's lit um, it's kind of exactly what you would hope for but usually never get <laughs> I I agree with that for sure. And I feel like it gets so quiet at night too Mm, because the city kind of breathes. And like during the day it breathes in like all these people from the cruise ships and like day travelers Mm -hmm. from Brussels and stuff that come in on tour buses and things. And so this, the city kind of like swells and then just about dinner time, they all leave Mm -hmm. and it becomes really quiet Yeah, again and is it's a great place to walk around in the evening because it is so quiet. You can grab a drink or have some dinner and go about and just, just soak in the city. Mm -hmm. It is really quiet at night. Like so quiet that you might have a hard time finding a place to eat if you don't hurry. (laughs) 
Yes. Because yeah. we arrived a little late and we and our like Airbnb host was like, oh, yeah, if you need to eat dinner, you better go now. Yeah. You should hurry out. Yeah. So um, but but still at the same time, like there are things going on. There are carriage rides and there are bars open and, and things that you can do, but just not a ton. Not like during the day. Right. It's it's not hustle and bustle like like during the day. Yeah. Um, one of the funny things that I you mentioned the Airbnb host, they had like, I think like two DVDs in like in the Airbnb. Yeah. One of them, I'm pretty sure was like in in another language, maybe French. But then they also had in Bruges with Colin Farrell, and <laughs> so we ended up watching in Bruges there in the yeah. Airbnb, which is it's so funny because it's a movie about a hitman like this really dark like heavy topic movie about a hitman and you watch it in this like peaceful quaint little village where nothing bad ever happens oh my gosh it's just the irony of that is like yeah no this would never happen in this picture perfect (laughs) little city that's so quiet especially at night and you know in the movie you know they're running through like shooting guns everywhere it's kind of it's pretty funny um it's funny but it's also like yeah like you said it's a little uh deep dark you know kind of movie but um yeah, they always talk about like it's such a fairy tale. One of the places I made you walk past with me at some point while we were there was um, Charlie Rockets, mm-hmm. which is the hostel where my sister and I had originally um, first stayed when we came. And it was still alive. It was happening. It was still like a, the place to be. Um, but it was a much younger audience and I no longer felt welcome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. I saw it. I just wanted to know if it was still there. But um, but there weren't a lot of other places like that, quite frankly. So no, no, there really weren't. Well, whenever. OK, so I was just remembering back to like when we arrived, we arrived like what, five hours late. Yeah. Oh, Man. my goodness. We have the like the most interesting travel days, I feel like. Um, <laughs> and they're really not that bad. But like when you stop and think about all the things that go wrong in one day, you're like, gosh, that was like kind of a bad deal. We didn't have reservations yet the morning we were going to leave, right, train yeah. reservations, but we had our year-round pass, which would get us onto trains. But in France, it's a little unique because France, even if you have a year-round pass, you have to have a train reservation, yep. which means you have to have a train ticket. You also have to have a reservation in a seat for a specific seat. So... Your pass, your real pass is kind of your ticket, but then we needed those train reservations. Well, most of the time we could do that online, but not in Paris. Not in France. In Paris, yeah. In <laughs> France, you have to go, it was the whole the whole country of France, you have to go to a train station, talk to someone, and get them to give you a ticket. And so that was our like first experience doing that, actually. Yeah. Having to... Um, to do that in France. And so we arrive, we give ourselves like a couple of hours mm-hmm. at the train station. Cause we're like, you know, we're going to need to like stand in line and get a ticket. And Oh, a couple hours didn't even scrape the surface. Not like we were standing in line and we were realizing like, yeah, that there went the first opportunity to get on a train. There went the second train. Now we're hoping to get on the third train. Oh man, it was bad. And so we're standing in this line. There's only what one customer service desk that would even sell you tickets 
Yeah. Because they wanted you to use the kiosk, which right. we would have gladly done that, but you couldn't do that and use your URL pass. And it was going to save us hundreds of dollars. So it was pretty important, probably a hundred dollars yeah. each. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So it was pretty important that we use the passes we'd already paid for. Right. Um, and so we couldn't do that. Um, I think there was some other option, but none of it, you, you couldn't do online. Nope. So we're standing in this customer service line The and it was insane. And then you don't actually know if you're in the right lane, the right line, I guess you could say, yeah, yeah. because there's multiple lines. The signage is all in French. They make no effort to put anything in English or any other language. Um, so you're trying to like decipher it. Even if you can decipher it, you don't necessarily know the terminology. So even if you translate it, it doesn't necessarily know mean that you know what it's saying right. so much. Yeah. So we're like standing in this line forever and I'm just like, I hope this is the right line. Finally, we did get in. It was the right line. I was really relieved <laughs> about that because we were wasting a lot of time and there are only so many trains you can get on right. in a day. Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'd I'd get frustrated even thinking about it. (laughs) It it was particularly frustrating because we legitimately stood in that line for two and a half hours to get help. Yeah. And like you said, you're watching the, like you're watching the trains and the times. And so the kiosks keep getting updated and you're just seeing like, well, that's the train we wanted to be on. We Mm -hmm. missed it. Maybe we can take this one. Yeah. Well, there goes that one. Yep. And then by then you're like calculating how far you've moved in line and you go, I don't know, we're getting there today. Yeah, for real. (laughs) But also you're like, well, when else was I going to do this? Right. Was I going to spend half a day in a train station when I could have been at the Louvre? I don't know. Like I kind of wanted to go see all those Paris things, but just the fact that you have to physically stand in line was crazy. And I truly think all the research I've done, there was no other way. No, I, I think you're right. And and you're also right. Like, how are you going to spend your time? Like, are you going to go out to the train station on one of your only days in Paris so that you can then come back also on the day that you're leaving? Yeah. And it, yeah, it was just such a beating. Yeah. But once we finally made it uh, to Bruges after our long, long train travel day, we checked into our Airbnb Um, it was a little unique for us. Like we stayed in an Airbnb and we had the second floor and we knew it when we booked it, that it wasn't the entire place to itself, but price wise, it made sense for us. And we saw that it was the entire second floor, which it was. Yeah. The only problem was that there were, there was a living room, a bedroom and a bathroom and all of them, none had, of which yeah, <laughs> connected, none of which were connected to each other and all of which were accessed from like this landing. Yeah. So the middle of the house had like almost like an enclosed courtyard that it was kind of built around. And so a spiral staircase that went a beautiful home. Yeah. Um, but you had to go out on this landing and it was the, like they were the quietest people. Oh, my gosh. World, yes. Which. At first glance, you're like, do you want the people that you're sharing a house with to be quiet or not quiet? And you're mm-hmm. like, well, I want them to be quiet. Right. But not when, <laughs> not this quiet. Yeah. Because the floors creaked. And so every time you moved around, you felt like you're being disturbed. It's like 
you were like sneaking around like you were like coming into the house after curfew or something and trying oh not gosh, to get caught. Yes. <laughs> and so every time. time you had to go to the bathroom or if you're in the living room watching TV or something, it's time to go to bed. You suddenly realize like how late at night it is. Uh-huh. Or if you're getting up early to go for a run, you recognize like, oh, this is really early. Yeah. You know, like creep around. <laughs> Which is really funny because it's like, what are you so afraid of? Like, oh my gosh, they're going to know I'm awake. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Who cares? What if, what if they realize that I'm walking into the bathroom? They probably thought that I didn't ever go to the bathroom, but now they're going to know. Now they'll know. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely like, it was the least private, most luxurious place that we stayed. Yeah. Uh, which was a, a funny combo. And they're like, there wasn't a kitchen. Um, but they did have like a little mini fridge and a little like breakfast bar area. So we did go to the grocery store to buy stuff for sandwiches. And I remember we bought cereal because we were going to have breakfast that way. And we bought what we assumed was milk. Do you remember uh, this? Yes. Yeah. And so we like are going through. There's not a large selection of milk from what we could find. Uh-huh. We... Find it was the option. That was the option. Right. And we looked and like, this is the only thing that says milk anywhere on it. Yeah. So this must be it. It was buttermilk. Mm-hmm. And it was super sour and did not, did not go well with my cereal at all. <laughs> well, we'd never had buttermilk, right? Had you? Um, I I had tasted buttermilk before. Oh, okay. So you knew, and so you knew it said buttermilk. Like we knew it said buttermilk, but oh no, I didn't, I didn't know what it tasted like. I didn't realize that it said buttermilk. I think it did. Yeah, because sure I remember, like, I mean, the closest thing to milk we can get. So this is must be the kind of milk they drink. But I'd never had it, so I didn't know how bad that would be. <laughs> <laughs> but it led us to a really interesting discovery. <laughs> yes. We did go back and we found actual milk, like you're able to get whole milk or 2% milk. But if you are in Belgium, you find the milk in the non-refrigerated uh, beverage section. So next to like bottled water and like two liters of soda. Yeah. It's just out there. It's not refrigerated. It's not cold. They advise you to refrigerate it after you open it, mm-hmm. but they just sell it warm in the grocery store, which... yeah really weirded me out for a little bit well and that was it was like that in several different countries yes it was and um they tell you to drink it within three days but also which sounds crazy but they don't you don't buy gallons of milk there you just buy a small thing of milk Mm -hmm. and so the odds of you drinking it you know you should buy what you need which i love that about europe and i love that about belgium and switzerland and some of those places like you like consume what you need. There is no waste happening. What was your like little snack that you discovered? I feel like everyone's probably interested at this point in, in Hillary's mm-hmm. latest snack craze. Yes. La femme de snack. <laughs> um, so here I really liked um, these waffle crisp that they would do because Belgium waffles. Yep. So they're famous for their waffles. But these were like little snack. Well, okay. Imagine a waffle cone. And then imagine it, if you were to make it and you actually has the, you have the dough all laid out like a cookie and you kind of, I'm imagining they lay it out like a cookie, cookie, they roll it out and then they roll the little pattern, that little 
print. The waffly pattern. Yeah, the waffle pattern. And then they cut it like with a circle cookie cutter. So you've got this little circle waffle and they crisp it up and bake it or whatever. I think that's how it's done. <laughs> I'm just guessing, but it makes a lot of sense. But just imagine like it's a little uh, circle crisp and it tastes like waffle and it's good. I love me like a little something crunchy to eat that's not super sweet. And that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So in your little like imaginary world, are is it like elves? That are rolling it out and crisping it up, or is it like grandmas? Um, little like, fairies. Little fairies. We're in a fairy tale. Okay. Yeah, We're in a little fairyland. Yeah. Naturally. Is there something you know about that revolutionizes the way you travel? Can it solve problems and help people around the roadblocks on their adventures? Is it just plain cool? If you have a product like that, we would love to tell people about it. Get in contact with us, and maybe next time we'll be talking about your product right now. So back to that video clip that we played the soundbite of at yes. the very beginning. That was at the beginning of our run on mm-hmm. that first morning. Yep. Oh, like you and I watched the footage back and we were like, oh my gosh, we did really like this place. Like, look at this. This is so beautiful. Like we'd already forgotten how just perfect it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cold, and it's been cold every single time I've been. I don't think it gets warm there, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but is that the one thing that keeps you from, like, going and never, ever leaving? Is, mm-hmm. is that it's, it's just cold? really cold, and I can't imagine being there in the winter because it's so cold in, during the summer. But we were there in April, Yeah, we were April. there in April, and I thought it was, I liked the weather, but I like it to be a little cold. And yeah. So, like, a coat... I wore a scarf most days. Like it was a little on the chilly side. Yeah. But I I enjoyed it being that temperature. Cooler side. Yeah. Um. But man, that run that was an epic run. Yeah. We liked the one in Paris that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. We liked that. But man. Yeah. This was just pretty pretty perfect it's so hard to explain too because it's you know it's that perfect time of light you know where it's just there's just sunlight is just doing its thing and everything was so still the water would reflect off of you know the water in the canals would reflect these these amazing buildings and so not only are you seeing this building you're seeing it twice because it's reflecting into this water and and all of the buildings i had forgotten how colorful they are I remembered yeah. them as like a slate gray. They're not. They're actually pretty colorful. And that like kind of surprised me. I'd somehow remembered it differently. Hmm. And so when we watched the footage back, I was like, wow, it's a surprisingly colorful city. Yeah, it uh, it really was. And that that morning run was so great, too, because Bruges is so small mm-hmm. that we really were able to run most of the things that you want to see in Bruges. We're able to run past early in the morning. No one's out yet. Yeah. And yeah, that was an incredible, an incredible way to, to see that city in particular because you can see so much of it just on a run. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And the bell tower was something that was really special too. We really got in a workout that first day. Yeah. I think we always hit it really hard on the first day <laughs> because like this is another instance where like we run and like it was surprisingly hard to run that because you've got cobblestone streets, yeah. a lot of canals, which means a lot of little inclines over right, and over again. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of stairs and steps and stuff. So it was surprisingly hard. But then, um, and then once that was done, we got to go hike up all these stairs <laughs> yeah. to the top of the bell tower. We got to climb the belfry. It's uh, 326 steps to the top. Um, but a really cool experience. It's, it's the tallest building in the city. And um, was built as as a bell tower that sort of served a lot of purposes like the bells would ring and mean a lot of different things so it, it'd have different tones or different sequences or timing that would mean different things signal like celebrations or warnings or fires or stuff like that and you get to climb up and sort of learn the history of the bell tower and you climb up a couple flights of stairs and there's a landing with some stuff to see and maybe more bells or more history of how it was built or stuff maybe. that happened. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you have Probably. to go for yourself and find out. <laughs> um, but once you do finally make it all the way to the top, there's a lookout and you see out in every direction and they have etched in the stone at the top, like the, the direction that you would need to look to see different cities. So most major cities are marked and they also have the, um, the mileage to how far those cities are away. Mm, yeah. So it like points out and like London is that way, this many miles, Paris is that way, this many miles, Zurich is that way, this many miles. And that was, that was really cool to see another, just another step that takes you back into history again. Yeah. I think like all of the, the practical uses of the bell tower made, I think is what made it so interesting to me. Like you were saying, you know, yeah. they, they looked at a certain direction and they knew if someone was coming from that direction, they're the Parisians or they're, you know, like they are, mm, you yeah, know, yeah. and so it was such practical information. Um, and then how they used the bell in such practical ways, like you were mentioning some of the, the reasons they used it, which was big reasons, but then also they had really practical things like it's lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. This is the bell lunch for lunch. Yep. And this is the bell for the end of the workday. And, you know, I just think stuff like that is like, oh, fascinating. It's hard to really picture it until you see a place where it's still, it's still there and they still function. The bells still ring and mark time. And um, so when you, when you see it and you're in the city and you hear the bells chiming and you start after a couple of days, you start to catch on like, Oh, bells are chiming. That means it's top of the hour or this or that. Um, you really start to understand like, oh, okay. Like it's becomes more than just a story mm -hmm. at yeah. that point. Yeah. What did you think about having to go up all those stairs? Like it was a little unique because you're like kind of like Rapunzel in her tower kind of winding up all these stairs mm -hmm. and they kind of make it a big deal. Like if you, you know, a lot of places we went to were like, okay, it's like 300 steps up there, which I don't think that really should deter anybody. Like it's, it's unless you have like actual um, physical limitations, you're probably going to be okay. Just take your time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and you go up a few flights of stairs and there's a landing with stuff to see and you get to kind of take a breather. It's not like, okay, here we go. 326 steps right now. Go. Right. So you can kind of work your way up. There was like, and there were some older people that were on the tour and like, um, things like that. So yeah, I, I wouldn't let it stop me. Um, it is along and it is pretty narrow mm-hmm. like and this. tight quarter. So it's yeah. not like people are passing each other very well. So I would say if you're a little claustrophobic might be a bigger, like a bigger issue than actually physically being able to make it to the top. Yeah. It's oh, definitely worth going up. Yeah. It was um, pretty cool. Um, and then like right there on like where the bell tower is, as it's basically in this square with the market, Mm-hmm. And every day, I think they have a market, like literally like a farmer's market. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. every day. And um, so that's what we did. And <laughs> we like went to the <laughs> farmer's market. We bought some fresh bread mm-hmm. because we've been making sandwiches a lot. Yep. And it was really fun to be able to like get some fresh bread. Um, they were selling tons of flowers. It blows my mind how in Europe... Everywhere you go, people are selling flowers. Like, who's buying all these flowers? (laughs) But then, like, you were like, we should buy you some flowers. And I was like, okay, yes, (laughs) I would love some flowers. And and we got me some pink peonies, which kind of like poppies almost. They kind of look like poppies. Sure, yeah. Well. I was just thinking of like the Wizard of Oz. If you guys have ever seen the Wizard of Oz, Jamin probably hasn't, right? Because he hasn't even seen the Titanic. So he probably has never seen Wizard of Oz. But there are poppies and they're like these pink flowers that are beautiful. <laughs> it, uh, I do remember getting those. And it was like a big part of that market was just like flowers. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Sale. And you would see like people like older ladies buying flowers and you could tell like I think they're just going to take them home and put them in a jar and watch them be pretty I guess yeah. like, it uh it was really cool it's fun to go to those markets too and just see like what's normal like what are people buying what are they into like what's like actually for head. sale here and like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> there was a butcher cart several of them and one of them had a like a full pig's head in there which made the pork chops sitting right next to the pig's head a little less appetizing appetizing, (laughs) um for me but you could tell they didn't really mind it there um a lot of cheese Mm -hmm. gets sold at those kinds of things and then fruit produce stuff like that yeah it's it's just fascinating every time that we saw a market we would try to go and I was always glad that we did. It was just so interesting every time. Yeah, every time. And then we did, after that, we went to the Basilica of the Holy Blood, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a chapel where they've preserved some of Jesus Christ's blood. (laughs) Yes. it. uh, Which, not growing up in, um, not growing up in churches that value relics, I think it's really interesting to go to Europe and and see churches that have these kinds of things that that make that claim and so they've got this vial in there that is said to have the blood of Christ in it 
And supposedly it will like in times of great need or desperation, it like turns back to liquid and. Oh, that's right. um, I forgot about that part. Yeah. And I don't, I honestly don't know what to think about that stuff a lot of times. Well, that was going to be my question for you. Do you believe that is actually some of Christ's blood? I mean, I don't, I don't know how they would have got that. You know, I I don't know how that would have been preserved. If you, you know, if you believe the, the biblical account, he's with his disciples and then he, they have the last supper. He goes out to pray in the garden and then he's arrested and taken and beaten and crucified. And all of his followers basically disperse at that point because they're not wanting to get pulled in with him. And at that point, everyone thinks that he's dying. Like they don't know that he's going to be resurrected. So I don't think anyone's like, Hey, let's hang on to a little bit of his blood. That's going to be really important one day. I'm not saying that it's not possible. I just, I'm not, I'm not a big conspiracy theory person. I'm not a ghost person. I'm a very like logic based. Does it Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Person. And so with, relics a lot of times it's hard for me to get there yeah so i don't i don't know but there's a lot of things there's a lot of things that i don't know and a lot of stuff that i've been wrong about so i don't know but if i had to if i had to put my money on it i would say probably not yeah um yeah it's pretty fascinating i think yeah um and even, I don't know, even if it's not real, it still felt like a pretty special place. It did. Yeah. You know, it's, well, um, it's built in the 12th century, mm-hmm. which goes way back. I mean, oh, that's yeah. like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, imagine like a Roman Catholic church, the, it's tucked in this corner of a square. I think it's called Berg square mm-hmm. and, um, it's tucked in this corner and you wouldn't even, you know, there's something there and it's special and it's pretty obvious it's probably a chapel, but you don't necessarily know. It's not like there's, it's not like this huge chapel or cathedral in the middle right. of the city, Yeah, which is really interesting. Um, and actually, if you do look at it though, as you're kind of approaching, you see like these really elaborate doors and this facade that's mm-hmm. like really ornate. That is actually from the 16th century. I was, I was looking it up recently. Um, and it connects these. It's got a staircase behind it that connects two churches. Yes. So you've got like a lower church that's more Romanesque kind of church, um, much more basic yeah. and old. Yeah. Very old. Yeah. Um, and then you go up above and there's like, I think they call it a neo-Gothic church up above and that's where they house the holy blood right and um it was yeah two totally different churches though it felt like yes like one's much more ornate and elaborate and like you said one one was a lot more simple and regardless of whether or not you believe that that the vial that they hold in there actually has the blood of christ in it Worship has been going on there and very and people expressing their faith there for mm-hmm. a thousand years. Yeah. Which makes a place really special. 
Yeah. And, and you can feel it there, especially I feel like in the, in the more simple, like the more simple chapel, the older one, you could really feel the, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can feel faith or, but you feel that reverence Mm, in there and, and it, it carries in there and lingers in there. Yeah. Um, which makes it a really cool place to go in and, um, you know, and if you're a person of faith to express your own faith mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really special. In fact, like, I'm glad you said that because my, so at the time of this, my uncle Mark, um, was struggling with stage four cancer Um, it was not looking good. It, um, was a really intense time for the family and, um, and here we were across the ocean and, um, and my uncle Mark was Catholic too. And so being in a Catholic church and all of that, I, um, it really felt like one of the more special things I could do was pray for him. And so I lit a candle, prayed for him there. I don't know. Can you share that? <laughs> or is it like if you like wish on a like star and tell anybody <laughs> your prayer? Then it's like, like a birthday wish. <laughs> you're like, you're not supposed to say what you pray for. <laughs> um, but I prayed for him there and I just remember thinking like how special it was. Yeah. It was just so special. And um he actually died while we were on our trip. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. was really hard. We were gone for a really long time though. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't get to be there for the funeral and, um, and it was just, you know, that that's hard, you know, yeah. it's hard to be away from your family whenever it really matters. And, um, but every time we went into a church, I thought of him. Yeah, because there's so many Catholic churches there and him being devout Catholic and just um, and just thinking about him and my aunt Kristen and my cousin John Mark, like they um, were just going through the hardest days of their life and feeling far away and wanting to um, wanting them to be blessed and supported and loved and sometimes my only way to do that was to pray for them while we were in a church. And every time we walked into a church, it just felt like that was one of the first things that came to mind for me. Yeah. I, I remember you lighting that, that candle for him. And I remember you telling me that before you were going to do it, that, that you were going to light a candle for him. And I actually videoed it. And if you go watch the YouTube video, you can see it. But when you did that, did did that make you feel more connected to your family? Like the act of praying for him and lighting that candle, did it um, bridge that gap of even though that you weren't able to be there in person, did you feel more connected? Um, Yeah, probably. I like, it's funny because like, though I prayed for him a lot while we were on that trip, mm-hmm. it did not, it felt most special to in that instance in which I light, I lit a candle for him. Oh, yeah. Um, and looking back, I'm like, man, I should have done that. And every single, you know, um, 
cathedral we went into. We went into a lot of cathedrals, though. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think something about like the act of doing that is more. Um, there's so much more intent behind that than just sitting down and letting your mind pray for somebody, but then also letting your mind wander. (laughs) Um, And I feel like when you're standing there holding a candle, like it's just, you're able to focus on that thing. And, um, and so it felt extra intentional, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like that attaching it to that physical act Mm kind of like brought maybe a, a greater significance to it. Yeah. Yeah. We went to house of waffles in Belgium. It sounds pretty Bruges. familiar. Um, it is not Waffle House. <laughs> it is different. It's very, very different than Waffle House. Both serve waffles, um, and they could not be more different than each other. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was really good. I think yeah. I got a waffle with like bananas and chocolate sauce. You got one with blueberries. Yeah, that's great. We shared a savory waffle, and it had lettuce, salmon cream cheese and yeah. onions on it. Yeah, it was so different. <laughs> right. Unlike any waffle I'd ever had, but it was so good. And it honestly is one of those things that I'm like, I'm never going to find that anywhere else. I'm going to have to make it. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to make waffles and put salmon, cream cheese and lettuce on them. Yeah. You like literally have been editing that video and you've been like, man, we got to figure out how to make that waffle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we, we got to learn a little bit about waffles. Um, yeah. There's two different kinds of waffles. So when you're in Bruges, you're going to want to try a waffle. They're famous, obviously, Belgian waffles. They're famous. But the Brussels style is a rectangle. So it's like a, it's a perfect rectangle that goes all the way to the edges. And there's a liege style. And it's more of a circle where the edges are a little rougher. So if you figure, if you picture not filling the waffle maker all the way up and how the corners will just have like little half finished edges that are a little more crisp, maybe that's a liege style waffle. But we come out of the, uh, the house of waffles all happy and excited to be in fairy tale land of Bruges. And you took us into the torture museum. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So you walk up and you see like this torture museum and it's like eight bucks or something to go inside. And you're like, that's crazy. Like that, like sounds like, but it also sounds like very medieval. Yes. You know, so you're just like, Ooh, crazy. Ah. And yeah. And they advertise it as being the oldest prison in Europe. Oh, right. Which made it interesting to me i was like oh like this is more historical right yeah we're gonna learn about this place you know while we're there um so we got down there and you go down these really creepy stairs into like a dungeon-ish kind of place um and there's a guy working the counter (laughs) and there's like all kinds of like just creep creepy stuff everywhere and it's not huge but it's a lot bigger than i thought because you're winding through this place and you don't actually realize, like, I honestly thought it was going to be like a little room. Yeah. And we just like see this little room and, and then walk back out. <laughs> and we got down there and it was like this winding place that like you didn't, I mean, you're down in a dungeon. Basically, you don't know how long you're 
it's going to go. Forever. Oh my gosh. It wound and round. And at first we're like, whoa, that's like, they kind of start you out easy with stuff that you've heard of, like pressed to death. That was like the easy one, guys. <laughs> right. That was the, the beginning. The gateway torture. Oh my gosh. It was really, really rough. It honestly, like I remember thinking like by the time it was all over with, I was like, this is shows the absolute cruelness of man yeah, and the depravity of man and the amount of thought that they put in the amount of thought like you'd have to think so hard to go this dark like how can we inflict pain how can we inflict the absolute worst pain yeah. possible what's really the point why do we do that <laughs> like honestly <laughs> i was like why did i do this to myself yeah it was pretty rough i do think that it's important to understand that that stuff happened because it's real. Yeah. People did that to other people. Yeah. And I think it, it lets you know where stuff will go if you don't check things. Mm, true. And if you don't stop things, they'll just continue to get worse and worse and worse until it's well beyond anything you can conceptualize. That's true. Um, it's like the whole idea of like, don't let history repeat itself. Yes, exactly. We did kind of redeem ourselves the next day by going on a walking tour of the city. This was the first free walking tour of our trip. Yeah. And so what does free mean? Let's talk about that <laughs> yeah. because it's great advice for people. Even here in America, there are free walking tours. Yes. Talk about that. And so free walking tour is means that you are free to pay whatever you think the tour was worth. Yes. So the expectation is that you're going to tip your tour guide at the end of the tour. Um, and honestly, they're the best tours. Yes. We kept finding that <laughs> out, didn't we? Yeah. And I honestly think that the people find that they can probably make more. Um, by doing free tours and getting tips be, if they're really good. Yes. And then it, then getting paid by your company to do it. Right. Because your company is going to keep part of that profit. They're not going to necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you give these free tours and people are paying you directly, I think you probably make more. And it's incentive to to be good at your job. Yeah. To give useful and helpful information as well as historically accurate information to be entertaining, to tell good stories. So I think sort of the opposite of, of a lot of conventional knowledge is out there of like, because mm -hmm. when I thought of it, I was like, well, you kind of get what you pay for. These free tours are just going to be amateurs. How good could they possibly be if it's a free tour? But they were great. They were. It was really shocking. Even in the U.S., like, we've had some really good free tours, Yeah, which is, like, kind of crazy. Um, but I think you're right. Like, I think people end up making a lot of money that way, so they're pretty good doing a free tour. But it was through Walking Adventures, um, which was a, a great way. Our, our tour guide's name was Stephanie, so if you're in Bruges, great job. Um, she does a really good tour. Uh, she took us to uh, a chocolate shop. Mm -hmm. And they gave us a sample of chocolate, which we then had to buy chocolate. Amazing. <laughs> it was a truffle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it, was, good. it was really, really good. And I didn't know until then that, like, 
traditional chocolates like the like the chocolates that you get at, at Valentine's or whatever that have stuff inside them. I didn't know that they were invented there in in Belgium and they were a way to get people to take medicine. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten that too. Is <laughs> like, that why they were always filled with stuff? Right. That's why they have a filling is because it was medicine. <laughs> Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yeah, it's a way better a spoonful of sugar, a Belgian chocolate. Like, yeah, sign me up for whatever. Like, just that's like, awesome. Inject the Nyquil in there and let's go. Yeah, that's awesome. So Stephanie did do a great job, and it was so great to hear an American accent as well. Uh, she's yes. from New Jersey. She did a great job. What is the most interesting thing that you heard that you learned from Stephanie? Um, I think for me, it was that the city had escaped. Uh, destruction so many times mm, yeah. like I think in World War One, the Germans came right up to the edge of it and then were stopped during World War Two, the the German army was sent to destroy the city and they got there and thought that it was too beautiful and didn't destroy it <laughs> crazy. Um, and then there, there were other countless times like back in the medieval period too where it narrowly missed destruction and so it is this perfectly perfectly preserved medieval city kind of through this sequence of of luck and missing out on being destroyed by war i i thought that was fascinating it's like a city so beautiful its beauty saved it yeah 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 exactly i also thought um it was really interesting she told us a story about a a time where the french had had taken over that part of Belgium and they were looking to drive the French out. And so they had a phrase and they went door to door and asked people to repeat this phrase to them. And based on the way that they would say it, their accent, they would either realize you're, you're one of us, you're with us, you're good, or you're not, you're French and we're going to kill you right you're here on your fake. doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy because that makes total sense. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but it does make some decent logic for the time. Yeah. Like yeah. If you if you can pronounce it right, then then you're one of us. You're in this. Uh, amazing to me. What about what about you? What are some of the things that you thought? Um, It was mostly about the homes because they're so interesting to look at. Yeah. And when you are there, you see a lot of the step-gabled homes. Yes. Which means, um, which means that it's actually kind of looks like stair steps that kind of go up and they peak. And um, there's just these kind of, it kind of looks like stair steps all the way down. Yeah. Um, so if you were to imagine that, like, they kind of are like steps. And so they call them step gables. And the more steps that somebody had, the wealthier their home was. Yeah. So you can imagine that like the more vaulted ceilings you had, the more, um, the higher your home was, like the more like it was like showing off your money kind of. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting because we saw that in other places like Amsterdam and some other places too. So the other thing I thought was so interesting is that there are symbols at the top of the homes. There could be yeah. a cat or there could be a snail or a ball or different types of stuff. And all of these were on tops on top of buildings and homes and it really helped point people in the right direction. So there weren't street names or street signs 
signs back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. For the most part, they use that as a form of to help give directions. So you could say, hey, go to the cat house, turn right. <laughs> We're like four <laughs> houses down. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. And of course, you know, if we had one, we would have like a swan home, of course. Um, anyway, I just thought that was like pretty interesting because I'd literally seen that and wondered why, 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 why is there that up there? Why is that up there? Yeah. And, um, and the really cool thing is the symbol could represent your family. So mm-hmm. if you were in a certain industry, you could put a symbol up there that represented your family. And so you see that type of thing even in Barcelona and some of the other places where they have really architecturally extravagant homes. Yeah. You could see that the things sculpted on there also represented the industry that the family like what they did owned. Yeah, yeah I would probably advise anybody if you're traveling and you're going to take a walking tour do it as early on as you can because it makes so much more of you're just walking around the city seeing stuff it makes it so much more rich to know to know those things for the the rest of the time that you're walking around because you start seeing it everywhere and you're like oh that we learned about this and that and uh, we waited until later, and I, I just wish we'd done a little sooner. Yeah, especially because if there's something you find really interesting, then you have an opportunity to fit it into your travel time there. Yes. And if yeah. you yeah, find yeah. out about it too late and you're about to go hop on a plane, it doesn't really help you. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah. yeah. So, and then sometimes they even give you, um, we found from a lot of different tour guides, you get discounts on things. They might say, yeah. hey, go into the store, say this word. That's your password. It will get you 50% off of Belgian truffles. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that was the kind of thing that I thought was really helpful too. Um, and we've used it recently, even here in the U.S., and got like 50% off of a museum yeah. in Treefy, which is like mm-hmm. crazy, like super helpful. Yeah, really cool. And Um, Ask your tour guide for restaurant recommendations, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. A lot of them will give them to you like just as part of their tour anyway. But if you're needing to know where to go to get something, ask your tour guide. They'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, we did start after that tour. Stephanie did such a good job. After that tour, we started um, trying to do the tours as quickly at the beginning of our trip as possible. It was just hard because we also did our runs on the first day. Yes. And then to do a walking tour on the same day of your run is a lot of walking, but it's all a lot of walking. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what Europe is, but it would make for long, like a lot of miles in days. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Yeah. we we tried to do that as much as possible. Um, and then, okay. So if we were to return, if we were to return to Bruges, Belgium, No, maybe I'll say when we return. When we return to Bruges, Belgium, what do we want that to look like? And the first thing that comes to mind for me is Christmas. It has Uh, to be Christmas. Christmas in Bruges? Oh, it'd be like... Cold? Fairy tale. It would be cold. (laughs) Actually, that's really funny you say that. I'm like, it's so cold there. I can't imagine it in the winter. But next time I'm coming, it's going to be winter. (laughs) It's going in Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think about the um, the marketplace, yeah, and I'm sure they'd have like a Christmas market. Oh, Everything yeah. would be decorated insane, like yeah, oh. just be stupid. It looks like gingerbread houses anyway. Yeah, I can't even imagine a Christmas. Yeah, it looks like gingerbread houses. Wow, good point. 
And, uh, yeah, that that would be really great. I would do a boat tour. Next ah, time. instead of a walking tour. Yeah, they That's had. A good idea. Um, and really glad we did the walking tour. And if I was only going to do one, I would do the walking tour first. But since we've already done that, yeah, I would tour the city by boat. Um, I think that that is a would be a really cool way to experience it from from the water. I did not want to leave Bruges. It yeah. was so great. Yeah. Loved it so much that last night. And then that morning when we woke up, I just remember looking at the window, laying in bed and looking at the window and thinking, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave here. I love it so much. Um, but we're on to the next adventure. Yep. Yep. The wheel, the wheels keep turning. We're headed to Amsterdam. Another city with lots of canals. Yep. So another canal city. Very different. Yeah. Very, very different. Not so clean. Not, not so polite, <laughs> nope. not so any of. <laughs> it has canals. That's like, that's yes, pretty much it how it has canals. Connected. It has some step gable homes. It's, yeah, <laughs> but that's about it. Everything else was very different. Um, but it was fun nonetheless. It was and fun. And we have some interesting um, history that we learned on a yes. boat tour there. Um, so it's. It was one of the more fascinating places that I didn't know everything I didn't know about it. Right. It's kind of fun. So Yeah, we took a tour there where we learned a lot. We learned one thing, in fact, that once I learned it, I couldn't stop seeing it everywhere in the city. Ooh. So tune in to find out what that was. Tune in to find, I'm going to tune in to find out what that was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You guys, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe. Um, Mm -hmm. You can subscribe in multiple places right here where you are listening. And that will get you subscribed to the podcast. But we're also putting out videos on YouTube. And you can find us as Travel FOMO Podcast on YouTube. Um, We also go by that in all the other platforms. So Facebook. Instagram, TikTok, all that. You can find us as Travel FOMO Podcast. Yep. And you'll want to watch the YouTube video for this one. So much of what we've talked about here, you get to actually see for yourself on the on the video. Even that last night, us walking around Bruges and seeing it at night, um, mm, yeah. that's in the video as well. So you'll want to go and check that out. Yeah, that's right. And cheers to returning to your favorite places. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this was so worth it. Um, Because, well, life is short. Wander well.